Welcome to Active Christianity's Living the Gospel podcast. Join us as we talk about how we can live the gospel every day, no matter who we are, where we live, and what our circumstances are. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Living the Gospel. I'm Kathy. And I'm Julia. And we are continuing today with our theme of the full armor of God. Right. And last week we heard from Eunice and Malenko. That's right. I actually just listened to that episode they did about the footwear of preparation for the gospel of peace. And that was a really good explanation they gave there. And about the shield of faith. So it was really encouraging. We've also covered the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth in our last uh, episode that the two of us did together. Right. So today we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. Right. I'm just going to say, though, that I actually love doing this because I find for myself anyway that when I sit down and I start to research and I think about, like, how can we explain this and how can we, you know, kind of shed some more light on what all of this is, and then I have to really think about it and really, like, work with it, I find that it becomes... Well, you get something for yourself out of it, too. Yeah, and it just is like, you know, the armor of God, in a way, I think, like, we hear about the armor of God often, right? Like as Christians, that's kind of a familiar concept. And it, it can kind of just be like, oh yeah, the armor of God. We yeah, know what one that of those is, expressions right? that we all he- always hear. But just to get a more concrete understanding and to make it more personal, what is this and how can I use it for myself mm-hmm. has been, it's been really good for me mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Let's read the verse again. So Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. So why is salvation a helmet? Well, The helmet of salvation is actually one piece of the armor that Paul writes about twice. So he also takes up the same theme in the first letter to the Thessalonians. And he says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's in First Thessalonians 5, verses 8 to 10. Hmm. So I think it's because salvation gives us hope, right? Mm-hmm. And hope actually is one of the biggest things that can protect us it, yeah, from it, Satan's it's actually a, Yeah, it's a tremendous protection against discouragement for starters. And well, that goes right along with, I looked up again, last time I said, I looked up what Johann Oscar Smith wrote about the armor of God. And here's what he says about the helmet of salvation. The spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places are only too happy to make trouble for believers when given the chance. But the helmet of salvation is hard and resistant to everything that rains down upon it from the air. A jubilant soul does not become despondent. It is one who is downcast who is at risk. Discouragement is unbelief, but unbelief is faith in the power of Satan. Once you begin to believe that, everything goes wrong. Hmm. And of course, the opposite of that is to rejoice in hope of what's going to take place in you. So when I have a firm faith in salvation that I personally am saved, then that gives me joy. And that belief, that that hope and joy, they become a helmet for me. Satan's mightiest weapons, spirits of discouragement and unbelief, they can't get through to a person whose hope is salvation. Right. It has to be a personal belief for Mm. me. We can kind of know that Jesus died to save us. Right. But do I believe that personally? Jesus died to save me. Me. 
And I think that's a good question to ask yourself. Do I really believe that? That I am saved, actually? And if I truly believe in that, then actually discouragement and unbelief can't have any kind of power no, over me no. at all, right? Right. Well, those there, there are those verses in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, that say that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Yeah. For salvation. He chose us for salvation. Yeah. Which is tremendously hopeful to think of the work that he is doing and is going to complete in us. Right. And so I think when, when Satan tries to come with discouragement, oh, look, you've done this again, and whatever, mm. like, it's so easy. You just know Satan. I'm sorry, but I'm saved. I'm not mm. sorry, actually. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. Because what I can do is I can get right back up and I can keep going. And I thought those very familiar, or that very familiar verse in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where it says that God's thoughts for you are of a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. And that's 180 degrees opposite of Satan's thoughts, which are to discourage you and to steal your joy. If I have this complete faith that I am saved, then actually it's impossible for Satan to get through that helmet of salvation and get yeah. into my thoughts. Yeah. I guess this maybe sounds like a funny question, given that we're already deep into this. But if we think about what is salvation... Like to start with, G Jesus died so that we could live. Right. He himself paid the price for our sins. Right. Because in Romans 6 verse 23, it actually says that the wages of sin is death. But then opposite of that, it says that the gift of God is eternal life. Right. So our faith is that we who believe in him will have everlasting life. Yeah. So we'll meet him one day and we'll spend eternity together with him. That's... An incredible salvation that we actually don't yeah. owe death anything in and spite that, of the fact that we've sinned. Right. And that we've done nothing to deserve that. Mm. Absolutely nothing to deserve that. And we can be saved because we believe in him. Mm -hmm. But then I also thought, it's not just to believe that my sins are forgiven, but also to believe that he is my personal savior. Mm -hmm. And so then I have a way to follow him on, right? And he said that if we are if we want to be his disciples, we need to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, Eunice Malenko talked about that for a whole podcast episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, I'd recommend going back and listening to it because it's really good. Well, because here's where salvation goes deeper, right? That salvation isn't just one and done. You know, Jesus died for my sins, I have eternal life, and that's it. But that he, that the author of the letter to the Hebrews writes about being saved to the uttermost. Right. So that's a salvation, not just from the wages of sin, but from the burden of right. sinning. Right, exactly. Which is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and I think we all know what that feels like, that, that burden of sin, that mm. I, I have something that I know is such a deeply ingrained part of my nature. And I... I hate that. Mm -hmm. I hate the way it makes me act. I hate the way it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. But Jesus has come to save me from that. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be bound to that for the rest of my life. This this belief in that salvation, to me, that means it, it inspires a burning reciprocal love for Jesus in me, right? Yeah. It's not just, thank you, Jesus, that you've done this for me, but thank you, Jesus, for that you've saved my life and you've saved me from the wages of sin and... Now I'm going to give my entire life to live for you, right? Mm -hmm. I am going to take up my cross and I am going to follow you through the flesh, right? Yeah. To overcome the sin that I find in my own flesh. And then we're transformed from darkness to light. The, yeah. the, the lust of the flesh is replaced by the fruit of the spirit 
as we're obedient to overcome the things that God gives us light over. That's yeah. that's a miracle. An absolute inner transformation mm-hmm. of my very nature. Mm-hmm. If you have that hope, if you hope in that, yeah. you can see yeah, yeah. kind of how yeah. how effective that is in, in your fight against yeah. the powers exactly. of darkness, like, right? I just thought about it like this, that like when I have that strong of a hope, then how like there's no way Satan can convince me to give up my hope of like it's written in First John 3 verse 2. I love this verse where it says that... Um, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he mm. is. But that that's my hope, that I shall be like him. And if I really, truly believe in that as a possibility for my own life, I, like, and that's my hope, that's what my vision is set on, that that joy of salvation, then how is Satan going to... Be able to pierce oh, pierce me can. with doubt and anything he tries to offer you is just going to look like garbage yeah, next to that, exactly. right? But and, to, yeah, to think that we will be like him and that that starts now—that yeah. doesn't just happen, you know, at that yeah. at that moment yeah. in the twinkling of an eye. It says we'll be transformed, and we will. Our bodies will be transformed, but we already are being transformed now into His nature. Yeah, and Peter writes about it like this in First Peter one, starting at verse six. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hmm. So... We do know, like it makes it clear there, we do have to be tested by fire, right? We do have to go through these things that show us what's in our nature so that we can be purified from those things. But we know that the end of that is the, the salvation of our soul, yeah, yeah. right? And that's what that's what gives us hope and joy to get through all these yeah. things. Because salvation is a work, but there's hope in it. Yeah. And that's why yeah. it's part of yeah. this suit of armor. Yeah, And it's not... A work in my own strength. No. It's a work that God leads me to. He, The Holy Spirit leads me through my flesh. And that it's that power that Jesus was resurrected with. That same power is available to me to overcome the things in my flesh, mm-hmm. which is just incredible when you think about it. it. Really this is. is the Spirit that that is in me and works in me to do God's will. And I have to have a strong belief in that for this to be effective. To believe that that I do have the exact same possibility as Jesus. Yeah. So I thought actually about our calling and what we will inherit and what we are saved, not just what we're saved from, but what we are saved to. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of verses that stuck out to me where Paul wrote in Romans 8 verses 16 to 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's a hope. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that's actually almost unbelievable that we are called to inherit with him. Yeah. And it makes any kind of battles, any trials, everything that we have to kind of go through 
as a disciple when when we have to pick up our cross and follow mm-hmm. him and and there is this cross in our mm-hmm. life and that that causes as peter writes too it's it's a suffering for the flesh right but when we have this in mind that the end result our salvation is that we're going to inherit all things with jesus of course that's a helmet for us of, of course, course satan yeah. can't get at us then with his his what is what does paul call it the wiles of the devil yeah Right. It's just we hear we've heard the analogy before about a racehorse that has blinders on so that it can't yeah. see to the sides. If you have this incredible goal in front of you and that's what you're lasered in on, yeah, then that's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna reach out for it. That's yeah. how you're gonna run. Like blinders yeah. on. I don't care about anything else around me. None of that stuff is important. Yeah. What's important to me is that I see the end of this hope of my yeah. salvation. Yeah. That I come to that point where I am like Jesus, yeah. that I can enter into eternity full of the virtues. Yeah. And if I if I fall and if I stumble and that, that happens, especially as we're kind of starting on the mm. way, I'm saved. Jesus has, like, I'm still saved. Jesus yeah. has died for my sins so that then when I fall, I repent of that. It's mm-hmm. not that, it's not that I say, oh, well, I fell. It's not a big deal. Right. I repent and I'm sorrowful over my sin, but I have a hope that I can get up and next time, because Jesus is with me, I can do it better, yeah. right? Next yeah. time I don't have to fall, yeah. right? So there actually is no reason for discouragement. Then it can become very a very decisive life. Like there's this verse in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 and 26. It says, Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So it's very decisive. We're fighting right. for something and we're working for something. Right. It is real battle. Yeah. But we're doing it for this imperishable crown. Mm-hmm. And then I can fight with conviction mm-hmm. for that, knowing that this is going to be the end of my faith. Yeah. So yeah, with when we, when we have that helmet of salvation on, and I think it's a question we can really ask ourselves, do I truly believe that I have been saved mm. and that I... I am in this process of salvation. Do I truly believe that? And if I do, then that helmet of salvation is so effective in my life. And if I don't, pray. Yeah. Pray to God to open your eyes and see what it is that you've been called to and what you yeah. what you can be saved from. Yeah. And read read in the gospels, read about Jesus until you believe that he died for you for your sins. Yeah. And that you were called before the foundations mm-hmm. of the world were laid, as Julia said at the at the beginning there. You were called. God thought of you and he called you out and his love for you is so great. He wants it to succeed for you. And he's given you these incredibly great promises. And what we have to do is just go forward in faith and lay hold of them. If you want to read more about the incredible salvation that we are called to, um, there are a couple of really good articles on activechristianity.org that you might want to look up. One is called, What Does It Mean to Be Saved to the Uttermost? And another good one is what is the result of salvation? So give those a read. Yeah, and we'll put the links in the episode description so you don't have to look far. Next week, Malenko and Eunice are back again, and they are going to be talking about that last piece of the armor of God, which is the sword of the spirit. So you can look forward to that. And until next time. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.